Welcome back to A Pod Too Far, where we relive the golden age of war movies. A happier time. When upper lips were stiff and men knew how to strip an engine under fire. Today we're battling desert heat, minefields, quicksand and shattered nerves, all in search of a glass of lager. That's right, it's ice cold in Alex. I'm Rob Hutton, and I've promised myself that I'll get this podcast safely across 600 miles of desert. Along the way, I've picked up a man with a strange accent and frankly questionable motives. Hello, Duncan Weldon. Hello, Rob. It's good to be back. Isn't it? Isn't it great? Right. Ice Cold and Alex, made in 1958, directed by J. Lee Thompson, who a couple of years later goes on to do The Guns of Navarone, which we've already done. Do you know what he did in the war? No. Go on. What did he do in the war? He was a tail gunner. Was he? Yeah. So I thought you were going to say barman or something. No. Time yeah. back to... <laughs> so I, I have it on B-29s, I think. I don't know. I, I read that somewhere. I tried to find out how much action he'd seen, but um, notoriously quite a hard driving director, which I guess if you're a tail gunner, you're allowed to be yeah, Joe jo McCarthy was a tail gunner as well. Right. There's a type, you know, there are... <laughs> Quite hard quite people. Hard, quite hard, 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 hard driving types, yeah. yeah. So it's the story, for those who don't know, of uh, the crew of a British ambulance trying to get uh, safely to Alexandria during the 1942 retreat from Tobruk. It stars John Mills, uh, Sylvia Sims, Sai, and uh, Anthony Quayle as the mysterious Captain van der Poel. Um, historical context, Desert War, do you want to talk about... Dunkin yeah, about? but I, mean, I think, right. do, do you want to start, though, with... This film, because it's it's a great film, but it's it's an odd film. I mean, you could argue it's essentially a you know approaching two hours long beer commercial. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, which it, which it became which, in the 1980s, which well, is yeah. how I first encountered it. Oh, go on, go on. Well, it's, it's literally just sitting yeah. there watching TV and this ad coming on, which is these four people sort of looking dreadful, uh, having lager poured for them. And there was a little caption or something that said, this is genuine footage. Yeah, from... so, so Carlsberg used as yes, a beer from, ad in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And, uh, and John Mills drinks it. I don't think I even knew who John Mills was. <laughs> I, I may have done, but I, he, doesn't, he didn't look very recognisable in that. And obviously the sight of Sylvia Sims gazing at him stirred in my young heart <laughs> some, some sense that this is that everyone everyone should have Sylvia Sims gaze at them like that once but no we can we can come back to you know it being a beer ad but yeah so sort of contact desert war so yeah this is how britain is fighting germany at the time you know you've had you've yep. had um, you know war declared in 1939 you've had you know the german invasion of the low countries in france in 1940 dunkirk um you know british evacuation from europe you've got a, a, another separate war going on out in in Asia against Japan, you know, being fought around, you know, first Malaysia, then India and Burma. But the war in Europe is now not in Europe for Britain. It's it's in North Africa. It starts off Britain fighting the Italians around sort of the Libyan-Egyptian border. The German-Africa Corps comes down under Rommel. There's many, many films set during this we'll be talking about yes, at a later time. <laughs> but, you know, this, this, is the, this is the main sort of, you know, British Empire imperial war effort. It's, it's fighting the Germans in North Africa. And at the point this film is set, it's not going spectacular. Well, and yet Britain is retreating back towards Egypt. And actually, having literally just finished writing a book about the Desert War or in the context of Desert War, there's what I think I actually hadn't known until I started researching it um, is the extent to which this war just swings backwards and forwards. So at the end of 40, Britain attacks, goes into Libya, knocks the Italians most of the way back across Libya. Then Rommel arrives and knocks the British back to the Egyptian border. Uh, and at the end of 41, Britain attacks and knocks Rommel back to almost exactly the same point. And then at the start of 42, Rommel attacks and knocks Britain back 
to, well, to Brook and into Egypt, which is what we're seeing here. And everyone's very familiar with the terrain by this point. <laughs> <laughs> they called it the Gazala sweepstakes. <laughs> uh, so people who have watched um, SAS Rogue Heroes will know that if Tobruk falls, Cairo falls, and if Cairo falls, Britain loses the war as it says at the start yeah, of the yeah, first yeah, naturally, episode. Naturally, it, it, it's automatic. Yes. You, know, um, you know, Kyra goes. Yeah, that's it. That's it. They've taken Paris. We can deal with that. Cairo, though. <laughs> This is this is questionable. Yes, this is a, that was the yeah. moment at which I thought I'm not sure that everything in this in this BBC drama. To is be going fair, to be okay. True. To be right. fair, you lose Cairo, you lose the Suez Canal, you lose the Suez Canal, then you know, sort of the economics of running the British Empire become really quite tricky. Although I yeah. spent some time on this, how much you're actually moving stuff through the Mediterranean, given that the Mediterranean is full of Italian there's, submarines. There's this thing yeah, called Italy in the yes. middle with <laughs> air bases and submarines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway. Tobruk is falling, and Britain spends 1941 defending Tobruk and then changes general. And in 1942, when Rommel gets to Tobruk, General Auchinleck says, I, I don't actually understand why we're trying to, to why, why, why we're, we're fighting to hold this port. Yeah. Because, as he works out, it's very expensive for the British to try and hold it, and uh, the Germans can't actually make much use of it because the navy is still dangerous outside it. So, this is the retreat to Tobruk, none of which I knew. When I the the first five times I watched this film, and, and, and you don't and you don't need to know any of this yeah. to enjoy the film. No, because you know I joke that it's a beer advert. I mean, it's not a beer advert, but, it, it, but it's not really. Is it a war movie or is it sort of an action adventure survival movie? Well, I, I think it, 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 it is. It is definitely a war movie. But I did wonder at one stage when I was watching whether it's a play. It's not about uh, dodging bullets, yeah. really. It's about people's relationships yes. and their relationships with the desert. But I think actually one of the things about the, the Desert War was an awful lot of the Desert War was about your relationship with the desert. Yeah. So, in fact, one of the reasons why they keep doing this pendulum is you have to bring everything up behind you. You can't get yeah. anything off the land. You can't even get water off the land. So the two ends of the pendulum swing are basically as far as the British can get while bringing all their supplies yeah. up this bad desert road and as far as Rommel can get while bringing all of his supplies up this bad desert road. And so there is a feature of the war in the desert that is simply that, as we will come on to, the desert is the real enemy. And yes, you know, if you're hiding out in, in France, you can live off the land forever, yeah. potentially, whereas if you lose your column yeah. in uh, North Africa, you're dead in a week. You know, or quicker. One of the reasons we're doing this film, apart from the fact that we love it, is Sylvia Sims uh, died this year. This is, I mean, this is basically her great role. Yeah. Um, and in fact, some of the critics ev even felt that she was slightly out of her depth in it. But I mean... Really? Yeah, I don't know. Given that basically the character's role is to look beautiful and to be sort of plausible as this nurse who is falling in love with I mean, the with script John doesn't Mills. give a huge yeah, amount of... There's not no, a lot no. for her to do. No. I feel she does everything yeah, yeah, with yeah, it yeah, that, yeah. that she could do. I mean, I, no, whether I would feel differently about it if Carlsberg had not had her on TV every night for about three years <laughs> in my teenager, I don't know. But she is at least the right age. All yes. of the men in this film... Are far too old. But this is a reoccurring thing, yeah. though, isn't it? Yeah, we, yeah. I mean, John, John Mills is nearly 50. For context, three years after this, Sylvia Sims will play his daughter. <laughs> so um, we may come back to that yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. um, the, other, the other fascinating thing about the Carlsberg ad, which they literally just ran the scene. Because, on, it's, on because they because used because Carlsberg in the movie. Yes. Which, and apparently um, it shouldn't have been Carlsberg. It should have been a different beer. But they used Carlsberg in the movie. So, yeah, you can just yeah. lift the scene... Put it on television, 
And, and, and then at the end of it, you say, still the best lager in the world. And yeah. that's it. You know? But you know, there's then the Holston Pills. Well, these, these, apparently this was a res- response to Holston Pills. Yes. They were doing all these things with Griff Reese Jones where they yes. cut him into The Great Escape and yes. this kind of thing. And somebody at Carlsberg said, you know, we're in a film too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. and we're really in it. Yeah. So um, apparently also, and this is nice, uh, all of the actors made far more from the Carlsberg ad than they made for... Made really? Because <laughs> they, presumably they were all getting residuals the whole time. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So um, uh, well done them. It's enormously successful in Britain when it comes out. Do you know how it did in the States? I know it did badly. And wasn't it a strange edit in the States as well, it, though? That's one word for it. This is, a, this is a film that runs just over two hours. The Americans cut it to one hour and 16 minutes. Punchy, punchy. Um, and called it Desert Attack. And I, 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 sort of, I just actually, I really quite want to see Desert yes. Attack. because I want, Well, it won't take very long either. I, mean, know, no. you know, I want to know what they did with it. Yeah. I, I, I suspect they, I mean, you just sort of do, basically you cut everything at the end. Yeah. Um, but then you're not, but then... But then you're left with a few sort of sub-Indiana Jones yeah. desert survival sequences. and yeah, You know, and maybe you cut everything at the beginning. As well. I, I, I... If you cut everything at the end, every, what you're left with is some strangers in a truck in the desert. Yes. This isn't gripping <laughs> cinema. If anyone knows where there is a cut of Desert Attack available <laughs> to view, I, I, I'm genuinely curious. Um, so it comes out in 58. Also out that year, we have Carve Her Name with Pride, Bridge on the River Kwai, Dunkirk, also starring yeah, John, John Mills. Mills yeah. Also starring John Mills, who is retreating in it. Yes. John Mills spends 1958 going backwards. Yeah. But actually, also, all of those films are maybe not so much Calm, Her Name is Pride, but Bridge on the River Kwai and Dunkirk are, yeah. I mean, Bridge on the River Kwai is an anti-war film, yeah. effectively. And Dunkirk is is not a film about a British triumph. Bluntly. No, but you know, it's 58, isn't it? We're now getting to the point when there is a bit of space. Yes. And you know, we're now, you know, a good 13, 14 years after well, the end it, of the fighting. It says at the beginning, and I was struck by this, it, it, this is just 16 years ago. And I sort of thought, that's nothing. Do you know what was 16 years ago? The banking crisis was 16 years yeah. ago. Northern, Northern Rock. If, like me, queues outside Northern Rock are still current affairs, that's, <laughs> that's how far away this is in yeah. distance from the yeah. events. So, yes. I mean, it's, so this is like the big short or something, you know, watching yeah. the big short now that, that, that sort of everything is broadly recognisable and to everyone, everyone over 30 will have remembered where they were when they heard. It's worth saying as well that the fall of Tobruk is cataclysmic in British public opinion. I mean, in Cairo, Auchinleck thought this isn't that big of a deal. That's very much not the view in London. Yeah. Churchill hears about it in the White House. Roosevelt just hands him a piece of paper because he's standing but, in the but, Oval but the Office. The British public is sort of getting quite used to the idea of defeats by this point as well. But, you've had yeah, Singapore, but, you've had, yeah. And no news had depressed us more yeah. since Dunkirk, I think. Yeah. Um, now, actually, that's not that's not Churchill. I think that's Hermione Ranfurly. Yeah. But this is... Oh, it's big news, yeah. This yeah. is a low... And it's a big news of a low moment. Yeah. So you can sort of maybe understand, even though it's then sort of followed by El Alamein, you can understand why maybe it takes 16 years to get to this point where you can sort of have this reassessment. The other bit of the reassessment is there's this whole class war thing going on. So you've got, well, of these people in the desert, which of them would you most like to have with you if you were actually stuck in the desert? Oh, no, that's a good question. Um, Let's look at it that way. I mean, you know, possibly the South African slash mm. German. As a, right, um, yeah, Van der Poel. Van yeah. der Poel, is he, you know, yeah. he, can, he can... He's helpful. He's helpful, he's, he's, he's yeah. strong. He yeah. can hold a truck up on his back. Yeah. 
That's. Yeah, um, I mean, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't have Van der Poel, who would you most like to have? It, let's rank them in order. I mean, obviously, it'd be nice to be anywhere with Sylvia Sims. I was about to say, you're possibly getting into, into yes, sort of nurse territory by right, this point. Right. Let's leave, let's, yeah. as it were, put, yeah. put Sylvia Sims on one side. Uh, who? It, it, it's Tom Bew, mm. isn't it? It is. It yeah. is. It is. So basically, the usefulness is the colonials. Yes. Followed by the NCOs. Followed, followed by the officer. Yeah. And in the officers, the higher the rank you go, the more useless yes, you are. Yes. So the brigadier is the yes. most useless of. You know, yeah. So that's interesting. That's, yeah. It's interesting that we've got to that point, and you know, and Bridge on the River Kwai has yes. the same issue that your 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 senior officers are idiots. Yeah. We we've got to a. We've obviously got to a point where 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 you can make a very successful film in which you say basically. Yeah, but, but I guess you, you've got to the point by the late fifties where you can look back, you can say, okay, in the end we won, mm. but it took a bloody long time <laughs> and lots of stuff went wrong beforehand. Yeah. You know, but River Kwai and this and Dunkirk, you know, fifty-eight film. I mean, they're all films about that first half of the war, things going wrong. There is an argument that you can make that this is all a decline of empire metaphor. And, and they're all post-Suez films as well. Yes, I mean, right. Well, that's it. So yeah. you're making this film. I mean, this film's made in Libya rather than Egypt because of because, Suez. Because yeah. we've just suffered another humiliation. Yeah. Yeah. And It's quite hard to shoot on location when you've just invaded that location <laughs> and had to evacuate it. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, but but Suez is a humiliation at the hands of the ruling class. Yeah. Eden sort of yeah. takes this position without, without telling anyone. I mean, it, you know, on a side point, yeah, you know, I mean, the thing about Suez is... You know, we always go on about, you know, Suez, you know, this is the worst disaster since Suez we use in Britain. Yeah. I mean, it sort of tells you what sort of a charmed 20th century Britain's <laughs> had. That, you know, our go-to disaster isn't us being conquered, it's us failing to, um, you know, impose our will yes. on another country. <laughs> well, oh. Failing to conquer someone yeah. several thousand miles away. Yeah, yeah, that's that's our, yeah. Worst thing that's happened to us since we failed to conquer that part of the world. Yeah, anyway. check your privilege, Britain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, France has got, you know, Claps and Nazi conquest. I mean, yes, yeah, we've got, uh, we've got yeah. a complicated relationship yeah. with it. What exactly did the Vichy government? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway. But, yeah, this so right. but, this, but this sort of moment, I think you're right. This, you know, this is a film of its time, a film of the late 50s, a film of you know, a reassessment, a bit of decline, a bit of worries about that, yeah. Let's go to the After Action Report. So, quick, Dad, they're on the cable car. Now, the thing actually I realised about when I was watching this is that almost none of these films, the first time I saw them, I saw them from the start. Almost yeah. all of these films, <laughs> you turned them on yeah, yeah. and they were on and you spent about 15 minutes trying to work out what the hell was yeah. going on. Yeah. But yeah. the opening establishes two things. It establishes John Mills as a, an alcoholic and it also slightly sort of sets up the fact that this is not the army conventionally being heroic. Yeah. You know, there's sort of A, they're retreating, and B, there's this, he's got his difficult relationship with his yeah. fellow officer who thinks he's after the same bird, and his commander's broadly an idiot, and he's a drunk, and really it's only it's, it's only the NCOs yeah. who are holding the whole yeah, show yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, But the minefield. I, I, the I, I was going to say the, the mind, mind, having the minefield is your, is your proper sort of classic set piece bit of cinema yeah. in this, yeah. Apparently, apparently there's very little in the script, just as really? they cross a minefield. <laughs> there <laughs> you so, go. And J.D. Thompson sort of yeah. worked it out. And it, it, Would you want to go into... Uh, we, we've said that Van der Poel is the most useful yeah. one to have. Counterpoint, would you want to go into a minefield with Van der Poel? No, no. no but, but to be honest, I wouldn't really want to go into a minefield if I could possibly I, avoid it, regardless of who my companion yeah, has to I be. Yeah, I mean, he's 
it, he does very well do the uh, annoying Africana thing. Mm. Um, I have to say, about five or six years ago, I did hostile environment training, yeah. which you have to do if you these days if you want to travel with the prime minister. And uh, <laughs> it's so horrible to you. Yeah. Um, and in the course of which we had to go, we had to go into a pretend minefield. And I was I was in a jeep with a group of Greeks who had been so gung ho about everything that yeah. they they had they had they had already driven me up. The wall that morning, and so and so we sort of we you you're doing this scenario yeah. where you're you're in your jeep and you're approaching and suddenly you see an indication that there's a mine yeah. and I say to the driver stop, and I say well you know we're going to lean out carefully and see what we can see yeah. and think can we go back and you know you're doing yeah. all the stuff that you're trained and behind me I hear one of my Greek colleagues get out of the car, and I said it's a minefield I said oh we go and have a look and I was actually and it was at this point that I said fine you go. <laughs> <laughs> you go you go and yeah. have a look at the minefield yeah. and <laughs> tell us what you see. Yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah, so this very much put me in mind of that. <laughs> send, send him in. Yeah. <laughs> There's no downside here. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a bit where he thinks he's trodden on a mine. Yeah. I mean, again, you can see that the Americans might have looked at that and said we can cut a minute of this, because it's really just it's it's lots of people being quiet and looking. Yeah, but, but that's sort of also the definition of cinema in many ways. It's all drama, or you know, it's um, it's yeah. uh, it's fantastic. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that that this is the scene you call someone in for. It's, yeah. It's 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 the best set piece in the movie, other than the end. Yeah. Well, so they're meeting the Germans is fine. Yeah. The Oasis is very jolly. Yeah. I think I liked the Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Chat that was all highly entertaining. The quicksand. Uh, yeah. I think the slope is. Yeah. For me, yeah. actually, the whole—that's the whole. Th- I mean, obviously, yeah. no. I would like to be called in for the minefield, yes. but if you don't call me in for the minefield, no, no, you'll settle for the slope. I will settle for the slope because <laughs> you get you get it all. You get John Mills losing it, which is really interesting. I don't know how often do we see him as a you know just as as, as a man out of control and not your ideal commanding officer, not yeah. even your ideal plucky Brit. No, he's, he's, he's a much more complicated, less two-dimensional character than you'd, you'd expect. Yeah, a film yeah he's horrible to his. He's horrible yeah. to, to to Sylvia Sims. He's yeah. horrible to um, the others. There's a great. I, I think you can hear when he's fighting Vanderpoel. Yeah. Um, Tom Pugh say, "Gentlemen, yeah. <laughs> obviously, what you had to say to two officers yeah, yeah, who yeah, are fighting." Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the the slow crank up the slope. Yeah. And then you go back. So this is my other question. Is is this, in fact, a metaphor for the Desert War? Because you get all the way to the top. Okay. And, and then, then you have to go back down again. Yeah, yeah. And then you have yeah. to do the whole bloody thing again, which is... Yeah, much the other... Which is yeah. exactly what, yeah. you know, very much how how they must have felt yeah. in sort of ahead of ahead of both the 1941 attack and the 1942 attack. And it's very hot. And it's, yeah, <laughs> and mean, it's hot, hot and a, horrible and unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's yeah. a short film masterpiece. Actually, if all you if all you had yeah. was that, you know very quickly what's going on. Yeah. You sense the just the awfulness of it. Yeah. So yes, J. Lee Thompson as 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 a director who is horrible to his actors. One of the things apparently when Katie the ambulance is rolling back down, the actors assumed that there would be something something attached to it to stop it hitting them. Yeah, and no. I don't know quite at what point in, in, in the filming they realised that there was, in fact, nothing to stop Katie hitting them. <laughs> Tail gunners. <Yeah>. No. <laughs> um, 
And then, well, if you want, if you don't call me in for the slope, kids. I mean, my, my kids aren't watching this. It's, it's, <laughs> I don't, I don't but if they were, I mean, it's, da- it's black and white, Dad. But if you don't yeah. call me in for the slope, call me in for the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not much to go at that point either. I yeah. mean, no- <laughs> but you know, if I were flicking channels and I saw the bar, I'm there for the end. Yeah, yeah. It might turn you out know. to be a Carlsberg advert. Yes. It might turn out to be the <laughs> film. Don't know. At that point, either, either yeah, is so, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, there were increasingly exaggerated stories about how many takes it took. Yes, Carlsberg. and it was all in the morning, wasn't it? So you know, yeah. they have to drink lager in the morning, and yeah, yeah. But nothing else looks like lager. Yes. So even in black and white. So I think the one I believe more or less is that John Mills did this in six takes. I mean, if you're yeah. chugging many more than six lagers yes, yes, yeah. back to back, filming's off yeah. for the rest and, of the and day. And you're filming in Libya. It's going to be quite hot out there. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, everything about the bar scene yeah. is, is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. She's not so dumb. Are there any women in this film? There yes. are there are women in this film. And, and the ambulance is a woman's and name And the ambulance, well. I mean, right, so arguably half the cast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, are these good female roles? Nowadays, I would say no. In the context of the late 50s, I mean, it's not terrible. There is an awful lot more female dialogue in this film than many other films about the Second World War made in the 50s or even... Yes, and actually than many films made about... I mean, it, yeah. it, it passes the Bechdel test. There, yes. are, there are women who talk about things other than a man to each yes. other. Yes, yes. I mean, there's not a lot of dialogue between yeah. them, but um, I think we're supposed to think that um, Diane Clare, the nurse who dies, has worked out that Van der Poel is a spy. Are we? Well, I thought that was what... Because there's this whole thing where she's desperately yeah. trying to tell them something. yes. I mean, it's left ambiguous, but we're never told whether or not the nurses speak German. Yes. And there's this bit where Van der Poel talks to the German commander next to her and you see her looking and then she's trying to tell them something. Yes. Oh, maybe. Maybe, yeah, I'd I'd miss this particular nuance. So I think, you know, she's given given a little bit of agency despite being a complete drip. Yeah. And Sylvia Sims carry... I mean, as we said, there's not... There's not a huge amount you can do for the script, but, but, you know, I... It is better than many other films we've spoken yes. about. So I, for its time. when I was doing the research, I came across a still from what we might call the love scene yeah. in a coy way. And I thought, I don't remember that. Because in the still, she's showing she's showing shoulder, frankly. Oh, and yeah. it, it turns out that they had filmed a saucier. I mean, okay. I, they'd filmed a saucier love scene, basically, where she had too many buttons undone. Yeah. And the old British border and film and classification. Yes, they made now. them do it again. Yeah. Yes. And also take out bitch and balls, I really? think. Was it, yeah. it was still British border film classification will still have been the British border film censorship at this yes, point. Yes, it will have been, yes. A, yeah. Yes. A, so, yeah. Tremendous, yeah. tremendous it, subtle rebrand at some later yeah. point. <laughs> I mean, they, they apparently demanded 100 and something edits and Thompson complained and, and they, they changed the censor. But um, yeah, on the scale of war films... It's got women no, in yeah, it. They have, they, yeah, they have, I mean, they have yeah. things to do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, this is, we're, we're grading on a curve. The casualty list. There are three deaths. Yeah, it's not very I high. In I mean, it's, it's, and uh... in fact, which brings us to the question very easily to the question of the best death. Um, he's bought it, Sarge. Um, the best death is between the unnamed brigadier and yeah. Cuthbertson yeah. and uh, Sister Denise Norton. I has... uh, well... Go on, Duncan, you decide. I, I, I'm going to go with Norton. Okay, I, I think you know. There's a bit more. There's a bit more drama in it. I think a bit more. A bit more. Dare I say, acting? Yes. Uh, you know, what about yourself? Well, I quite like Brigadier. I quite yeah. like the Brigadier getting blown up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to say, I it sort of it's it feels deserved. It's almost played for laughs. Yeah, the fact that he's sort of standing up there, yeah. standing up in the car, shouting himself. Yeah. He's the Germans and any. Yeah, it is a very low body count movie for a yeah. two-hour film set during the war. Yeah, um, Mills never gets his gun out. 
Two categories we'd normally do. Um, the Cooler King Award for the most gratuitous American character. There are no Americans in this film. Why, they had nope. to cut it to an hour and a half, is, I guess. Yeah, an <laughs> hour and a quarter, even. This in the it's a f- film about <laughs> losing. The yeah. Americans aren't in that. <laughs> and uh, who's in a tiny part in this who went on to be a legend? I just don't think... I, I did actually. I sat there going through IMDb yesterday. I mean, the uh, the other way around it is that that Sylvia Sims is a legend in this and went on to be in tiny parts in lots yes, of other yes. things. That's, uh, but you know, we're still working. She but plays okay, plays the queen, mum, right. and the queen. She, yeah. You know, I think it's your point, isn't it? That this is almost like a play. It's a, it's a small film about the relationship of a handful of people. So yes, you don't have that sprawling cast. So I was interested because Thompson. If people have heard of Jaylee Thompson, they think of him as an action director because yeah. he'd made Guns and Never and he does. And, it does come from everyone really, but actually, you can see in this yeah. what you would this this thing in yeah. action films where you can sort of work out what's happening. Yeah, um, he does very well. He makes Cape Fear, the first Cape Fear, um, does and he? he does. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And he becomes a kind of a, a workman. Yeah. And, uh, Death Wish Four. To, uh, Death Wish yeah. Four is one of his credits, yeah. I think. But he started in plays, and he started in the theatre, and he started writing plays before the, in the thirties. Oh. He he's he's a playwright rather than a director. And I just wonder if actually the fact that you get this, really, it's a character drama. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone in it is great. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There is actually, I've just remembered, there's one person in a tiny, tiny part who goes on to become what I would vaguely call is a Is it the ambulance? <laughs> is, it, is it featured later? In? It is one of the Germans, and I think it is the German who goes to take the notes on the nurse's grave. Go on. Goes on to be the uh, colonel in Allo Allo. Oh, there you go. Huge. (laughs) Right. We are once again going by the Rob Hutton definition of later stardom being 1980s television. But anyway. uh, You would have, if you had seen him in 1985, you would have recognised him. (laughs) Right. The Good Luck Award for the best meme. It's the end. It's the end. It's it's, you've been made into an advert. It's the beer. You've you've won the meme thing. I would just offer, I love, and this goes with the best quote as well, really, when they watch the brigadier being blown up, yeah. the response, um, Tom's response is, my toolkit. And John Mills is, my whiskey. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah that's I wouldn't, that. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I sort of quite, I think yeah. you could probably use some of the hill climb. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, uh, there are... There are metaphor for yeah. There are, there are moments in yeah. life that feel like you're, <laughs> you're very slowly winding an ambulance <laughs> up a very steep hill. Um, but yeah, no, it's, yeah. It's, it's the beer. Stiffest upper lip. Go on. Name one. It's not a stiff upper lip kind of movie, is it? Despite being 1950s. I mean, no, I mean, the Brigadier has a stiff upper lip. and no, he, that doesn't do good. He, he gets no, killed. I mean, you know, I mean. <laughs> There's a solidity to Tom. Yes. Played by Harry Andrews, who is a character actor who is just in loads of these. You look at his credits. He's in the Battle of Britain. He's in other, and, and very versatile character actor. So he, he does an awful lot of roles like this, but he also sort of plays civil servants and, yeah. and, and officers. And you do feel that if you had Tom by your side, there isn't a desert you couldn't cross. Yes. At some level. Yes. You know, and he is the person, I mean, he's the person who tells them how they can get Katie up the hill yeah. all the way through. You can make the but case. I'm not sure I'd go for stiff upper lip. No, it's not quite. It's, it's, it's not. Nice. It's, it's dependableness rather. Yeah, than, um, yeah. But again, this is not, so what not, are, a, not a raving alcoholic. No, I mean you know, but by contrast, is steady. The, is the, you know, steady. Yeah. It's the kind of chap who thinks that something might be leaking, so puts a pan underneath to check. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, if you're going to be stuck in this 
car, ambulance, truck, whatever you want to call it. I mean, you know, do, do you want the alcoholic, the <laughs> the incompetent guy, or the guy that turns out to be an enemy agent? I mean, you know, yeah, you, you, or, you, 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 yeah, you know, by, by comparison, this is your dependable guy. Yeah, I, but I just wonder as well if this is now what our hero looks like. Yeah. He's not offered as the hero. I have a feeling that in the novel that this is based on, he is more of a central character. But um, I haven't, I haven't, I have to admit, read it. Nastiest Nazi? No, there isn't really one, is there? No, but this, no. but this, is the, this is the Desert War thing, though, isn't it? You know, there's yeah. always this sense, I'm not sure how true it is, but there's always this sort of sense that, you know, gentleman's war, people call it. And I think that's partially because, you know, it's fought in an area where there aren't lots of civilians. There are some, but not really yeah. any. So you don't get that sort of, you know, civilian death, collateral damage, all of this, on anywhere near the scale you get elsewhere in the Second World War. And just this, this sort of sense that, you know, it's partially that it's Rommel who, for various reasons, has become, you know, sort of the, the acceptable Nazi general. How true is this? Yes. Is a, it's a good question. Anecdotally, one of the, the issues was, as it were, once your tank had been destroyed or yeah. your, your, your anti-tank gun had been destroyed, yeah. there wasn't a hell of a lot of point in you fighting, yes. if you see what I mean. And yes. there was nothing for you to hide behind. Yes. And the thing that was going to kill you was staying where you were. So there are all of these stories of people who are fighting each other simultaneously yeah. kind of finding... Sort of German German soldiers capturing British soldiers in in quite a sort of friendly way, yes. weirdly, because you know you're out of it. And it is notable that Monty, when he takes over in forty two, feels he has to issue an instruction, which is please stop surrendering all of the time. Yeah, and there's lots of talk uh, of like reconnaissance units having yeah. like friendly banter via radio and all of this. Again, yeah. I, I, yeah I don't, well, I, I, it's but, a very but, different but, character. But, but Monty to, issues this instruction yeah. that says, do not, you, you are not to surrender while you still have bullets, yeah. which in some way must reflect the fact that yeah. that a lot of the time people were like, oh, well, you know, um, tank's blown up. I'll just wait here for the Germans to pick me up. You know, yeah, yeah. There, there, there must have been some of that. Whatever the truth of it, there is a lot of that sort of reporting. That's the view of the desert war yes. reflected in this film. Yeah, and, and, yeah. You, and, you, yeah, and you see it completely. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they are an ambulance, so they're slightly, they're, they're slightly their own thing. But the fact that they can have these conversations yeah. with the Germans, and the Germans are like, "Well, are these people more trouble to take yeah. prisoner than they are to?" Yeah. Um, Dan Buster's dog prize for the most problematic moment. Is it the age gap? I think it is the age. Yeah, gap. I mean, yeah. I don't think it's very. I don't. You know, it's like. I mean, it's not Dan Buster's she, dog she, name, is it? But no, it's, no. Uh, it's, but... It, and Sylvia Simpson's married at this yeah. point. You know, she's yeah. over the age of consent. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. But you do. It's, it's, just, it's one of those that, you know, a modern director would probably raise an uh, eyebrow at. Yeah, yeah. I think even at the time there was yeah. some. I mean, I mean, it's, a, it's a sort of slightly Leo DiCaprio, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. sort of, uh, yeah. yeah. So, loose lips. Um, best lines. We've done my toolkit, my whiskey. It's the, that's it, it's toolkit whiskey. Toolkit, toolkit whiskey. whiskey. I, toolkit, uh... I mean, I quite like there's something under my foot. Because mm. that's quite yeah. well delivered. Yeah. And I also like, I'd only make you unhappy. Yes. See, I've started already. <laughs> That's a good line. Yeah. But actually, the final line of the film, which also sums it up, is all against the desert, the greater enemy. Yes. And that is completely, I think, even now, still kind of how it's seen. Yeah. 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 Broadsword Radio. What are the completely implausible moments? You got anything? I mean, it doesn't strike me as ridiculously implausible. I mean, the, yeah. the, Why whole, is the whole South African German... Yeah. I mean, they do work it out by the end, obviously, but, you know, I mean, how plausible is it they would just pick up? I think you pick, I think if you find someone in the desert, you pick them up. Yes. Um, yes. I think almost, even if they were an enemy soldier, you yeah. quite possibly yeah. pick them up. I, 
why is he signalling every day? Yeah, exactly. That's uh, my know, big question: is what yeah. is what is he radioing in? Given that they're, given that the only things they're learning, they they, yeah. they know they're learning from from the Germans. Yes, yes. And also, my question is: what is his plan when he gets to Egypt? Yes, I, I mean, has one, does he? An obvious one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but I have to say, that does not make it implausible. Yeah. Would you like to know about Operation Condor? Do you know go about for Operation it, go, Condor? Go for Operation Condor. Operation Condor, which is familiar to people who've seen The English Patient, is around this time inserting German spies into Cairo mm-hmm. by crossing the desert. Um, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, but a Hungarian Count Alamsey, who is portrayed as the English Patient, in, if you've seen that, was a desert explorer and did successfully infiltrate two spies yeah. um, into Cairo, who were completely useless. They had the wrong currency and they had this plan, which was basically, we will hang around the bars and we will pick up lots of stories. And of course, actually, they they didn't pick very much up. because but they had a nice time. Yeah, they, they oh, had yeah, a great time. That's, better um, than fighting on the Eastern Front. And, I mean, uh, yeah, to spend no, completely. And, and, yeah. and when they're captured, uh, they very quickly turn it roll over yeah. as well. Yeah. And, yeah. So, um, and both both write memoirs about it after the war. So, uh, so well, well done them. Yes. So actually, crap German spies are not implausible yeah. at this point. That's interesting, though. Yeah. Though, in fact, do you know about Bonafellas? Go on. At this point, Rommel is reading arguably the single best intelligence source on any side in the war. Um, uh, Colonel Bolafellas, who is the US military attaché in Cairo, who, because the US is supplying all the kit, is allowed to go anywhere yeah. and see anything. And because he's a proper soldier, he writes excellent reports yeah. that perfectly describe what's going on. And unfortunately, the US diplomatic code has been broken. So oh. Rommel is reading these before probably before Washington is reading them. And one of the reasons why Rommel is doing so well at this point is yes. because uh, okay. Paul yeah. is is providing really excellent intelligence yes. Yes. About, about what's going on. But he's just about to be he's just about to be discovered. Judgment at Nuremberg. How many war crimes are committed in this film? Are there any war crimes? I in don't this know. Film? It's a, a gentleman's war. Machine, machine gunning an ambulance, but well, they're running away. It's, it's, it's unclear. It's yeah. unclear. It's I mean yeah. I mean also yeah. I mean also, it's not being used as an ambulance. I mean, you yeah. shouldn't machine gun the ambulance, but you shouldn't use it to... Yeah, they're both in the wrong. Yes. <laughs> now, it says at the start of the film that this is a true story, but it's... It's not, though, it is. No, no, it's based on... It is based on a novel which is based on the real-life experiences yes. of the author who also wrote the screenplay, um, who died a couple of years after making this. So the only other thing to say is just how absolutely horrible it apparently was filming it. That they were they were in desert. And you actually there's a moment where um quite early on when they're outside the minefield where you just see a fly land on John Mills's face and he just ignores it. And there's yeah. that's not a stunt fly. No, no, you no, see no. What I mean, that's just because where they were filming there were flies everywhere. And apparently in fact the cast have all been sprayed with um oh, some kind of yeah. insect repellent that you're now not allowed to use. That might have yeah. been a war crime, actually. Um, <laughs> no, but and, it, it does sound yeah. like they all had a fairly horrific experience. Yes. And, and Sylvia Sims said basically this was before method acting, but it, it was method acting in the, yeah. in the sense that we all didn't think we were going to die of thirst. <laughs> um, Duncan, is this the operation that changed the course of World War II? No. <laughs> no, but, I, but I'm really pleased they got their beer at the end of it all. Yes, mm-hmm. there we are. Um, is it worth dying for? You know, I watched this last night. This was probably the third time I'd seen it. First time I'd seen it in a good 10, 15 years. And yeah, it, it, it's a good film. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's quite different to lots of the ones we've spoken about. It is fundamentally quite an entertaining, good film. It's a bit long. I mean, I think you could do a, a cut. Yeah. You don't want to go slightly, as far as that American cut. Six minutes. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think I think it holds up well. There's, there's very good performances in it. And it, yeah, it's... I think you're right that it's 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 more like theatre than 
and cinema. So there we have it. Ice Cold and Alex. Duncan and I are off to a bar to neck some cold lager. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating on your favourite app. We'll be back very soon. A Pod Too Far was written and presented by Robert Hutton and Duncan Weldon. Audio production and sound design by Simon Williams. Artwork by James Parrott. Lead producer is Anne-Marie Love, group editor Andrew Harrison. A Pod Too Far is a Podmasters production.